we were dancing to this incredibly beautiful music in this old building with the lights outside. And I just, we finished moving. And I went to the window and I was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing, just crying. And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. I didn't know what was, there was nothing wrong. Um, But there was something... I think I just touched in on something that I grew to know more later, which was this very transformative, expansive space that you can sometimes connect with through your art. Hello, my name is Eline Perez, and you're listening to Are You an Artist? Today's episode is with Charlotte Derbyshire, who speaks about dance creation, Reset, but also a desire, learning to play the drums. When we did the recording, Charlotte told me she felt very detached from her creative practice and it might not be the best time for this interview. She still allowed me to publish the episode, which I find extremely beautiful because Charlotte shares the doubts. On the technical side of things, my voice sounds a bit different as my microphone was not recording, Woohoo! So I use the backup of my phone. Enough talking. Enjoy this super interesting conversation. Hello, Charlotte. Hi. (laughs) I'm going to start by reading out a letter I've written to you. It's like a love letter I write for my guests. Because I love them. Dear Charlotte, I haven't seen you in ages and I have missed you. As I wanted to interview my friends and people I admire, I knew you had to be one of them. It might be slightly cheesy to say that you changed my life, but you did. When we lived together after my dance training during happy COVID time, I was lucky to witness your work for Kondoko Dance Company, be inspired by your creations and the book you read, or discover the good dance teachers and artists to follow thanks to your recommendations. I admire your work, but also your kindness, generosity, and sense of humor. So I'm very happy to spend this hour with you And this podcast is just an excuse, basically. (laughs) And the first question I ask my guests is, are you an artist? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, before I... I'm just going to dodge the question for a minute to say thank you. I'm blushing a bit. That was a very sweet letter. Thank you. Um, Am I an artist? Yes, I am. Yes, I I definitely feel like an artist, although I have to say that since COVID, I've found it increasingly difficult to feel as if I'm engaged in artistic practice or inquiry um, because there's been a level of sort of stress and... Um, I've been in a more heady place. I've been in a perpetual problem-solving place. And at first that can feel quite creative. (laughs) But actually if you keep having to do it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, it becomes kind of chronic. Mm. And then when I do occasionally drop into a more expansive space through moving then I recognise that actually that problem-solving place 
is actually not an artistic space for me. It's it's an adrenalized, cerebral place. And uh, it's only when I can kind of connect with moving and with my body that I'm able to make decisions in a different way. Um, so that's what I've been practicing in the last six years in my role at Kanduko. Um, but, well, I've, I've just left, is one thing to say. Um, I'm still in the processes of um, handing over and letting go. But I'm really looking forward to focusing more attention on my artistic practice. And to be honest, I don't know what that will be. But I know it will start from the body or my experience of my body. Wow. Mm. Mm. And if you go back to your childhood when you were a very young girl, yeah. what's your very first creative memory? <gasps> well, I don't know if this is true. Um, but the thing that popped into my head just immediately, like a little flash. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was my first, but it's certainly the thing that popped into my head was that when I was 13, I was in um, a youth dance company called Splinters. And it had, I think it was 13 to 25. Oh. Yeah. So there were some young people and adults in the group. <laughs> That's a funny mix. Yeah. Maybe it was 21, but I remember thinking that the older ones were completely ancient. You know, like they were grown-ups. <laughs> people. Yeah. Wow. And it's funny now, now that I've got a son who's nearly 13, to imagine this. But um, Jill Clark, who became a huge influence and friend later on, was commissioned to make a piece on our youth company. And she, it was a Baroque piece of music that I'd never heard before. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard any Baroque. I think it was, I want to say Purcell. But I might have that completely wrong. It might be Puccini. I really don't know. <laughs> anyway, she made this piece and... There was something about her quality and of attention through moving that completely transfixed me. And I remember because I lived an hour out of town, I had to get dropped off by my friend who was a swimmer an hour before class. And I used to watch her through the window preparing the movement. Hmm. And I was totally in love with her and her moving. Anyway, she created this piece and we were rehearsing it in this old corn exchange, like a really beautiful historical building in the centre of Ipswich. And it was Christmas. And outside was a huge Christmas tree. And we were dancing to this incredibly beautiful music in this old building with the lights outside. And I just, we finished moving. And I went to the window and I was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I was just crying. Oh. And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. 
I didn't know what was, there was nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was something, I think I just touched in on something that I grew to know more later, mm. which was this very transformative, expansive space that you can sometimes connect with through your art. Mm. So that's the first time I had a sort of sense of creative engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And do you feel like when you were younger, you were able to explore your own creativity growing up at school with your family or? Yeah, I was very lucky um, because my mum is an artist and she didn't actually go to art school. She's a painter. She didn't actually go to art school until I went to dance school. So we were both at university at the same oh, time. I can't remember that. Yeah, the same three years. She was at Norwich Art School when I was at Northern School of wow. Contemporary Dance in Leeds. Yeah. So we had a sort of, we were writing essays at the same time. We were talking about our work. So we had a kind of, that was a really lovely parallel. Yes. But even before that, she was, once she and my dad split up, she began to engage in her own creative practice. And I just felt really, you know, like if I had an essay question at school or, oh, I know what it was, is because my uncle, who's an incredible artist, moved next door. And another artist friend that she met at college <clears throat> at Norwich Art School also moved next door. They both had flats next door. <laughs> and so we used to eat together. Oh, wow. So I was surrounded. Every evening meal would be some kind of artistic or philosophical conversation. I mean, it was the most stimulating and formative experience. So that com combined with my dancing Um, yeah, I, I was really lucky. I had a lot of access to different kinds of thinking, different kinds of practices and different kinds of artists. They were an eccentric bunch that my mum <laughs> that, that attracted and my uncle attracted and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and did you always want to dance? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Mum was a ballet teach a ballet dancer before she turned to painting, and I don't, I didn't really connect on that level. I did ballet as a sort of foundation to do the stuff I wanted to do. Yeah, I didn't find my creative voice through ballet. I didn't enjoy ballet until many, many years later, when I was taught by, you know, somatic, you know, more somatic approaches yes. to ballet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Um, What did you say? Did I always want to dance? Yeah, I can't remember a time when I didn't. And I think it was smart, actually, because there was a lot going on in my family um, and dancing was a real place of a kind of refuge and a, an expression that I hadn't quite found in my life or uh, I didn't find it in my family life until... Until, I, until later. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. 
And when you are creating something new, what's the feeling driving it? Gosh. I'm trying to think because I've been in a, you know, a very pressureful and sort of responsible role. I'm trying to think what was the last thing that I created that was new. I mean, yesterday I was doing a movement practice and I practice authentic movement. And in that moment, in that practice, you start anew every single time you enter into the moving circle. So I guess the micro could give some information about the macro. In that moment, I can feel that there's a listening in and a feeling that my mind is not just sitting on top, you know, not just in my head. <laughs> there's something about an attention where it opens out to include the whole body. Um, and I think through that I can, yeah, I can tune into different kinds of intelligences, knowings, uh, needs, desires, images, feelings um, drives yeah but yeah it's a long time since I've made a piece of work artistic work um, actually that's not true I was in Sweden last week <laughs> <laughs> the lie <laughs> Well, it's because I was the lead artist, but it was a piece of research with dancers and musicians, disabled and non-disabled dancers and musicians. So I wasn't making a work, but I was, you know, leading the six-day research. So some of that feels a bit different because some of that was about creating the conditions for a big group of artists from very different experiences and art forms, yeah, creating the conditions for them to be able to connect with their own artistic desire and 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 where that meets the others in the group. So it felt like a different kind of um, work. Hmm. What did you say? What's the feeling? What's the feeling driving the creation? Or how do you feel when you are at the beginning of that process of? I'm always aware of it feeling quite fragile, like I'm, and it kind of comes. I know that if I talk about it too soon, it can sort of crumble as I'm saying it. Hmm. It feels quite like a new seed. It feels quite tender and, yeah, I've experienced a kind of trashing of something that felt important to me that I've tried to share. And then 
it's seemed ridiculous when I've... So you feel like it seems ridiculous or the reaction of people? I think if I speak about it too soon, when it's before it's taken form... Yes. I can feel it sort of disintegrate as I'm speaking about it. It's something <laughs> about maybe my in hearing myself or in my self-consciousness of it or something or my judgment, it can disappear. So I've sort of learned to keep it close mm -hmm. until it's got a bit more life force or form even. Mm. Um, so I think it's a delicate process and it can... <clears throat> I've also experienced that many of those things don't come into form, you know. <laughs> that there's a lot of potential, but not all of them actually get a life or have life. It goes back to your first question. It's like, am I an artist? You know, I wonder that about anyone because in my mind it's not just an artist isn't necessarily the person that gives form to mm. things or gives expression to things um, there are many artists that don't do that but are still undeniably artists <laughs> <laughs> and when you are creating a piece. How do ideas come to you? Hmm. Um, it's lovely to think about these things, but they do feel a bit far off. I'm thinking, <laughs> can we do this interview again in six months? We can. <laughs> <coughs> And then we can... This um, is the part one and we have yeah. the part two. <laughs> Because actually they're interesting. It's interesting to think about that and I will as I try to follow my appetite over these next few months because I, I haven't had time. You know, mm. working full time through a pandemic has been so draining and so immense that I'm only now giving attention to these things. So it's timely. And yeah, I feel like I've got to start at the beginning again. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And how does it feel? Like scary or also exciting? Um, bit of both. Because <laughs> I really... I really do feel I've got to start again and I know that that's a delicate place and it probably, you know, I'll be in a place of, of not knowing for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I'm also welcome that if I can hold my nerve because I've had to be in a place of knowing, you know, in the role of artistic director, you have to be able to communicate your ideas with confidence and clarity so that the team get behind you. Mm. And I've not always been able to do that because in an artistic process, there's not always confidence and clarity. <laughs> well, not for me anyway. Not for me either. <laughs> and, and actually, I think 
those organizations are set up in a way that they don't necessarily want you know <coughs> excuse me they don't necessarily want the conditions aren't there to support the artistic director to be an artistic process mm. you know yeah so they want those those organizations you know want artists to be in leadership but actually they want you know, they're designed to expect a kind of level of, to operate in a certain way, to be really dynamic and leaderful and linear and deliver clear and confident decisions, bam, 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 you know. And deal with a lot of things as well, I guess. Like Oh yeah, there's all the stuff around it. And yet you're, create, you're trying to create conditions where you can invite artists in and respect their process, but there's no mechanisms that I have that I have you know been aware of where they recognize the conditions needed for an artistic director to be in process to make decisions yeah yeah but you know equally I might in time reflect that I didn't take the space I didn't take the space to do that but I think that navigating the pandemic and then being under a conservative government where there's just no support mm. Um, and everything is shrinking and getting tighter. Yeah, uh, it's a very, very challenging environment to work artistically within. So, yeah, I feel like I've got to create my own conditions now. And I don't know what that will look like. <laughs> But I do know that it will have, that it requires a lot more space around it than I've had access to recent you know in mm -hmm. in the last six years in that role <laughs> space and time and yeah <laughs> and speaking about time like do you remember in the the creations that you've done before mm. what was your favorite part of the creative process was that the very beginning when you just start or when you're in the middle of it or when it's actually finished and you can look at it? Mm. I guess each one's different. I mean, I think for me, it's very much about the people I'm working with. I'm not a solo practitioner. I tried to make a solo once and it was an absolute disaster. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up in... Um, Just tears the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you finish it or did you stop? Well, yes and no. I um, I met... So I was creating material for myself. I couldn't find a way. It was almost impossible for me to be in the studio Ooh. anyway on my own. And then I found it really kind of traumatic. Then I met a disabled dancer whose natural kind of physicality was com was kind of completely echoed what I was trying to do. It's like the physical expression she had naturally... Was what you were looking for. Was what I was looking for <laughs> or trying to uh, express. And so I asked to work with her and she was delighted. Um, and so I began to choreograph with her, on her, through her. Hmm. 
And so it became a film, a very simple three-minute film for her. Um, so that was the so my solo. <laughs> um, so mostly my work comes from falling in love with somebody else and a kind of artistic response. You know, the work we make is somewhere between me and them. You know, what I want to say, something that I see in them, something they see, you know, it's something that we create together. So it's that collaborative process where you are learning more about yourself through the relationship hmm. that I find the most. But yeah, the first phase is like a sort of falling in love. And then there's, which I love, and then there's the push-pull of the collaborative process. <laughs> Which I also love. <laughs> the, but I never find easy. I'm not so sure about the endings. I'm not. Sh I've usually they're usually just sort of practical. Like I, there's limited time. There's limited budget. <laughs> you know, it's a sort of enforced ending. So that, yeah, helps you decide when a creation is finished in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's that's quite tender for me at the moment because looking back on my time with Kanduka, I realised that I sh I always said I would do it for five years and I always imagined I would do it for five years and actually ended up being six. And the last year was really hard and I realised that it was over hmm. at the end of five years and there was a an opportunity there was a time I could have left and I regret not leaving mm. now and so I'm like oh would I ever know when a work was finished I kind of did know it was finished for me yeah but I didn't feel I could leave because we hadn't yet recruit secured a new leadership team so it's a question I carry forward as an artist it's like when is something finished <laughs> will I know Hmm. And is it about letting go? Or, you know, yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And is there a work that you are really proud of? It's a nice question because I'm, I'm not in a very confident place because I'm still recovering from... You know, I'm in a, I'm kind of in a place of grieving actually, having left Kanduko because it's always, be, it's been so central to my life, mm. not just in that role, but for 32 years. Of course, because you were dancing yeah. there. And... Yeah. So, I'm, I'm in a place of sort of recovery, rather. So to think about things I'm proud of feels quite remote. Um, And also the world has changed so much in the last three years politically that some of the work that I was most proud of, I'm not sure would stand up in this political climate. Oh. So I made a film with two very, very dear disabled friends of mine. And again, they, they commissioned me, but again, it was a sort of portraiture of them, but my voice was in there and my, it was this sort of, 
it came out of all three of our experiences, but also my knowing and love of them. Um, and I was very proud of it, and it won some awards at some film festivals. But I'm really aware now of the politic of even though they commissioned me, I directed it. And so as a non-disabled director of two disabled performers, yeah, there's some there's some edges around the politics of it now. Hmm. Um, so it's not that I'm not proud of it, but I... You're reflecting more on... Yeah, I can see... I'd like to critique it with the disabled artists because I think... They did have absolute agency and I was following. I think that's the thing about directing. It's you're following the artists. You're not leading. Yeah. Or or it's a dynamic flow. You're leading and following. Yeah, yeah. But I can see from the outside the politics around what it might look like to have a non-disabled director mm. creating work. And it was, you know, on to disabled artists, but it wasn't on, it was with. Hmm. Um, but they also portray themselves in a way that they might not now. Oh. Because they, um, one has um, a hand missing and one has a leg missing. And we had a lot of fun um, giving life and characters to their well, one of them calls them a stump. It's even difficult to talk about now. In those days, it was very light, very free, and very all... It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you could play with humour and... Yeah, and intimacy, and it was kind of reclaiming um, and, draw, you know, creating a context where they could really decide how they want to share these parts of their bodies and how they inform who they are. Mm -hmm. But now, in this particular time, I think there's a nervousness around how to talk about this, who's making the decisions, how they manifest. Yeah, I'd like to talk to them about how they feel about that film now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I know there's a sense of co-creation but there are some subtle decision making processes in that that I would like to reflect upon with them mm. 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 but yeah that film comes to mind I love it, I still love it That's sweet. it's very joyful mm. yeah. and you also created an artistic centre in France right? Yeah, it didn't feel like we created it. We were kind of opportunists. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of how I think I work. I don't have something that's completely whole in my head that I create. It's always in response to someone or somewhere. Mm. Um, and so that was in response to, you know, me and Jules, my husband and kid moved to France with one of my best friends Henny Hale and her partner and kid and we moved into the gorgeous cafe gallery of that my mum 
and her partner owned and had they had kind of created and they didn't want to live there anymore even though they still worked there so because we were a collection of artists um musicians filmmakers painters movers makers <laughs> um we started to try and make work together and actually it was really difficult because of the we had such different approaches <laughs> um, um it felt a little bit contrived to sort of and like, oh, what should we do together? And actually, very quickly, we learned that it was much better and much more generative and supportive if we, if one of us said, this is what I would like to make, this is what I would like to do, and the rest of us try to support it. Okay. And once we found that way of working, we made so much. Hmm. So I made this film that I've just talked about with these two friends of mine, and Tony um, Wadham, who's a filmmaker, uh, shot it and edited it with me. Um, Henny made a lot of work that we all supported in different ways. When Tony made films, I always did all the sort of um, scenography and... Mm. Um, and Jules performed every month his own work and sometimes he invited other artists and Tony filmed them all and documented it into a really beautiful thing. And Henny and I used to take all the, you know, do all the blinking tickets and make <laughs> the apple crumble and feed the artists and house the artists. And a lot of soup, if I remember. We made soup for like 15 <laughs> every day. And then we'd also choose one of the songs and then create a duet for it in the morning and perform it that evening. Aww. And every month I'd say, I don't want to do it, Hen. I don't I feel rubbish. I can't do it. And she was like, shut up. And we just <laughs> and we just did it anyway. We literally made it that morning, performed it that evening. And we did that every month. And I'm so glad that we did, because it was really great. So yeah, we found a way to support one another to make the work that we wanted to make but it wasn't this sort of starting from zero co-creation it was more like a continuation of... yeah exactly mm. and what type of artwork interests you mm. oh i think it's not so much the medium I think it could take any form. Sometimes it's painting. You mean to make or to appreciate? To appreciate. Yeah. I think it could take any form. I think um, I went to, the last time I went to a gallery was in Sweden last weekend. I went to the National Gallery. Um... And actually, I was really drawn to a couple of film video works. One had a moving body and the other didn't. It was a moving landscape. So I don't think the form matters. Like, it could be a piece of music. It could be something written. It could be 
choreographic. It could be... I guess if I had time, there's probably something in common. There's yes. probably some common essence. Well, you can reflect on episode two, we can... Yeah, exactly. Because there probably is something that each artwork shares that speaks to me. Some theme or... But I, I'm not sure what that is right now. And is there some artwork that you really don't like? Not in a fixed sense. Um, but I did have a very strong reaction to this exhibition that I went to in Sweden last week. I think because... It's it's so subjective, isn't it? And it's so where you're in, where you're at with yourself. Because I was in, as I say, I'm in this sort of grieving. I'm still dealing with the kind of exhaustion of this role. Um, and when we went to Sweden, we were working in a theatre space with no natural light. And we were working from nine to four every day, which is when it's light. Oh dear. So we'd go to work in the morning in the dark and the rain and come out in the dark and the rain. Ooh. And we didn't see any natural light for eight days. Oh dear. And so that really had an impact on all of us. Yes. And when I went to the art gallery, I began to see or fancy that I saw some really dark and disturbing images. And then I began to think... Oh, fuck, this is what Swedish people have to deal with. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm only here for eight days. That's so but... intense. <laughs> and there were some images and some paintings that I couldn't look at. And then each room got darker and darker and darker. And I was like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> so obviously that's all about me. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> yeah. It was some of the modern, it was as, because the... It was a kind of exhibition of Swedish art over the last hundred years. Yes. And obviously there were kind of trends. So the earlier work wasn't so like that. You know, the work from the 50s and 60s didn't feel so dark. But as it got more to the current day, and of course it might be, I think things are tough, are hard right now. We are experiencing hard. Yeah, the world is a bit Yeah, tough. the world is in crisis. Yeah. And so even some of the kind of more what might appear kind of um, bright, I don't know, even even the very kind of modernist, the modern stuff, I don't have language for it, I'm afraid, <laughs> appeared really dark in its commentary and in its perspective. But I might just have to own that as my own. <laughs> So no, there's no, there's nothing that I, there's no art form that I really hate. I, I don't have a particular close relationship to poetry. I'd like to. Oh, okay. But I don't find it very accessible. Mm. Um, but no, there's nothing that I could say that I don't like. I mm. Welcome it all. Mm. And as a human being, yeah, what is your strength? <gasps> <laughs> This interview's come at such a hard time. I'm feeling so small. 
<laughs> and insecure. What is my strength? Might be a tiny strength. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm in a I'm in a more difficult place now because I thought my strength was my ability to tune in and connect on some level with other human beings. Mm -hmm. I thought my strengths were something around perception, empathy, yeah, yeah. seeing, feeling. And a lot of my my kind of life force comes from that um from other from others and my and my trust in my ability to yeah. feel another in a moment or to know another in a moment. But there's a process that I'm in at the moment where that has that's being questioned where I am wondering I'm questioning my own I'm questioning that mm. because, you know, certainly at work, oh God, I don't know what to say. But, but I mean, I could, I mean, that I could also say would be your strength. I mean, living with you, I felt like you had a lot of empathy and, and you're really able to kind of understand people and not judge as well. Yeah, thank you. I do feel that that is my strength, but the situation which I can't really talk about and I don't really have words for yet has undermined my confidence in that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's that's part of the pain that I'm with. Yeah. Is, um, I think on some sort of bottom line, human line, that is still there. But I think when you work in an organisation that is that you're trying to drive through systemic change. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of fear. Mm. And I think some of my relationships became really pressurized and some of the trust that I had built couldn't be sustained or became eroded through the through the very challenging process of change that we were in. Mm -mm. So, yeah, I'm feeling... I'm not sure now. Hmm. So it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, this question can be a bit intense, but you can also take it light, lightly. Mm. Um, because one is like, uh, is there anything you would like to be better at? It can be also like... I don't know, singing or... <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be better at a load of things. <laughs> I'd like to be better at cooking. Oh. I'd like to be better at French. Um, I can help you with that. Yeah. I would like to be better at DIY. What's DIY? It's uh, do-it-yourself. It's oh. like home, home, you know, yeah. putting up a shelf. I would like to be better at, um, I would like to be more self-possessed. Okay. You know, I'd like to have more kind of 
confident that I'd like to be less reliant on others to feel okay. Mm-hmm. I would like to be fitter. Okay. I feel like we're just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I would, I'm going to keep going. I'd like to be a better mum. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I could keep going. Okay. And is there, do you have any uh, irrational fear? Yes. <laughs> Lots. <laughs> Another list. <laughs> I mean, I don't have some things like spiders or anything like that. I don't have those sorts of irrational fears. No, I would call you, I remember. Oh, uh, yes. Spider in my room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to say or if I want to, but I do. Um, I have suffered from panic attacks, anxiety oh. attacks, and they, you know, they can be triggered by different things or caused by different things. And I've learned to. Um, recognize the core the causes and to sort of manage those um but their their experiences of heightened irrational fear mm -hmm. so yeah mm. i certainly know what that feels like mm. yeah and is there anyone who inspires you very much oh, oh my god you can also give a list if you want there's loads of people hmm You do, Aline. Oh, do I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your, um, your very sort of clear, direct way of going for what you want. Your sort of, your, and your commitment to that <laughs> is very inspiring. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I think it's actually incredible the way that you shape your life very clearly around your artistic, uh, your ambition, your artistic ambition. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by millions of people. Mm. Um, And you know quite a lot of inspiring people as well. I, do. I met so many people like through you in a way. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've been very, very lucky to meet incredible artists. I mean, I'm kind of, in a way, ready to leave London. But at the same time, being in London, I have met. I've had, you know, the opportunity to meet and to share practice with so many incredible people. Mm. Through independent dance, through teaching at Laburn and the place, through Kanduko, but also through my studies with Linda Hartley. Oh, yes. Um, and actually, it's not even about... I mean, yesterday I was in a peer group, a peer practice group, and there's a lot of middle-aged women like me in that group that I haven't known, that I don't know and I don't know much about. But the more that I practice with them, the more I'm like in awe. Hmm. So yeah, I am. I'm fortunate in that I 
I feel inspired by a lot of people and a lot of things. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Maybe that's one of my strengths. Yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah. We are building the list as well. I think I am able to see the potential in others. Mm. And that inspires me, but also I can see that that is also supportive for them. Yeah. It helps them having more trust in themselves, I guess. Yeah. Maybe I need to focus that on to myself. Hmm. Yeah. It would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And are there people who really annoy you? Um, no, not one person. There are aspects of many, many people, including myself, that really annoy me. But it's not um, one person or one thing, mm -hmm. apart from Trump. <laughs> um Yeah, I think there's beauty and ugliness in us all. Yes. Um, I'm very attracted to ugly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm... I don't know about beauty and ugly, about that, about attracted, but I'm certainly thinking a lot about mess and... There are times when it feels really important to keep it clean. Yeah. And there are times when it feels really important to engage in the mess. Yeah. And I'm definitely in a kind of push-pull right now about the kind of politics that we're in because I think in this growing awareness of how excluding and racist and ableist all our structures are, There's a kind of um, recognition that we've excluded a lot of ways of being. Mm. And yet I can still feel that actually what's acceptable behavior or what might be perceived as messy is really not yeah. allowed. That actually there's some very, there's some really... There continues to be incredibly excluding systems, certainly in this country, mm. and culturally. And yet we have to find ways to be together and codes, you know, mm. that feel okay and that we can trust and feel safe within. Mm. So my Tai Chi, tai chi teacher, who... I adore. <laughs> he talks a lot about keeping it clean. Mm. But I think he's talking about intention and conscience. And mm. And if you were an animal, what would you be? Well, My friends call me a sheepdog. <laughs> you don't seem very happy about that. Well, I, I, I think it can be wonderful, you know, 
But there are times when it's quite exhausting to just be tearing around trying to herd everyone. Uh-huh. Um, and needing to be so hyper alert of where everyone is all the time and how they all are all the time. Mm. So it can be quite exhausting. Mm. I'd love to be an octopus, but oh. I'm not. <laughs> but I would love to be. Maybe that's the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you have a favorite color? No. <laughs> I might have said blue at one time in my life, but actually no, it's it's tones. I I'm very attracted to certain tones. Oh. But of all colors. Oh. Yeah. Mm. And what makes you happy? Colors. <laughs> Light. Moving. Space. Connection. Hmm. And do you feel like you know yourself very well now? Well... I would have said that if you'd asked me six months ago. Okay. Because I turned 50 this year and uh, and I've had the privilege to do a lot of, you know, therapeutic practice and training. So I think I, I've done a lot of work and I have a growing awareness of myself. But I think the strain that I've been navigating at work has shown different dimensions, shown me different colours, different dimensions. And as I said earlier, I've my confidence in something that I did know or trust has been undermined. Mm. So I'm in a process now of questioning what I know. Mm. Um, and how well I know myself and others. So that feels a bit fragile at this time. Yeah. And if you could meet your 15-year-old young mm. Charlotte, Aww. would you say something and what? Oh, I'd give her a hug. Oh. oh. <laughs> and I'd say, take care. Trust yourself. I'd try to encourage them to listen inwards as much as outwards. Hmm. That's a good one. And is there anything you would like to learn to do? Something new, like playing an instrument or...? Yeah, I'd love to play the drums. Oh, yes, I think I remember. Yeah, I've got this fantasy. Maybe it's time. Yeah, maybe. I'd forgotten. Well, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Gonna Thank buy you. a drum kit. <laughs> I've got a drum kit. Do you? Yeah, no, this is the thing, is that Jules bought me a drum kit, a full drum kit for my 40th birthday. Wow. And now I'm 50 and I still haven't learned to play. Oh, wow. But I, 
Love it. <laughs> With the drilling next door, you could <laughs> play the drum. And... Well, now that we're moving out of London, because when we ha- in France, we had it in the house mm-hmm. and we all played with it because mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, we could make as much noise as we wanted. <laughs> when we moved to London, it's gone to Jaws' studio, oh. so I've forgotten that I have it because oh. I never see it. And it's a shame because it's so beautiful to look at. It's yeah. like copper sparkle. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's true. Wherever we move to next, we'll have to be able to accommodate the drums. Oh, yes. <laughs> and do you have any recommendation, any book or movie or artist that you want to share that you fell in love with recently? Or... Um, well... The, I think the recently um, I read a book called The Living Mountain by, I don't know if it's Nan Shepherd or Nancy Shepherd. Might be Nan. Hmm. And um, I heard about this book through reading Robert McFarlane's writing. And now, as a result of that, I'm now reading Arctic Dreams by Lopez. So they're they're kind of poetry, non-fiction, journaling of landscapes. Mm. But they are like, these people know these landscapes, these writers know these landscapes like we might know the body. Oh, so... And they write... Well, they're somatic writings. Incredible. And it's really... It's... it's, It gives me a sense... I feel like a sense of opening and expanding and sensorial sort of... deepening as I read it. It's really a somatic experience to read it. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well, it is incredible. They're in, it's amazing. People that have, yeah, dedicated their lives to certain landscapes and speak about it in a really, from a felt sense. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Well, I'll definitely put that in the notes yeah. of the podcast. And do you want to redirect, like, redirect the person who is listening to, I don't know, a website, an email, they want to contact you. Or... Oh, to me? Yeah. 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 I'll put I'm happy that. to hear from anybody on my email. <laughs> Asking yeah. you about the drum learning process. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's a drummer that could teach me. <laughs> That's true. Any drummer here? <laughs> Based in London, do you know when you're going to move? Still around? No, I don't know when or where. Okay, so still in London. Yeah. <laughs> Get in touch. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking that time. Um, yeah, it yeah. was really nice. Lovely, but difficult questions. Yeah, I, mean. yeah, I know. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you too.